Drilling fluids touch just about everything in the drilling process. We're here to deconstruct the drilling process and drilling fluid concepts to provide a deeper understanding of our industry. In each episode, we'll share information, talk to interesting people, and maybe share a few stories along the way. Welcome to The Flow Line, a production of AES Drilling Fluids, brought to you by Matt Offenbacher and Justin Gautier. Welcome back to another episode of The Flow Line. Matt, I'm especially excited for this one. I think it's an exciting topic. And I think one that a lot of field folks, you know, especially mud engineers will appreciate and probably get a chuckle out of. But Matt, first and foremost, how are you doing today? Let's get that. And I want to make sure you're in a good space to go through this because I think it's going to be good. I mean, I'm trying to keep my head right. This lockout thing is not making it easy. Ah, yes. I I really want to see something settled soon. You know, the thing is, I got a suit, an Astro suit. I got to wear all over. I wore it more than I've worn my regular suit in years. <laughs> yeah. All through the playoffs last year. And it was great. But we're going to run out of a cool weather window. My dream was to get to a day game and be fully decked out in my suit. But it's going to heat up and I'm going to have to go to the like Hawaiian print. <laughs> you know? and, and so I, I need baseball to start on time. Yeah. So that's actually a good point. So right now, if the lockout wasn't in place, what would they be doing? Spring training? Yeah. So spring training would have started. Okay. And other important fact that nobody cares about, but since I have a microphone, I'm going to say it. Jake Odorizzi, he missed spring training last year, was terrible at the start of the year, awesome Uh at the end of the year. There are pitchers like that that are notorious for this. I think he's going to have a breakout year if we can get spring training going. Interesting. And I want to see this guy bounce back. Uh, no, However, makes sense. Jake, I need you throwing in spring training like ASAP. So mm-hmm. owners, players, I mean, they all have a ton of money, so we can argue about who's greediest. We need to sort this out soon. Okay. Well, I hope there's some Astros folks listening out there. Maybe even some of the ones you're mentioning. Maybe they're interested in drilling fluids. Who knows? But if anyone's connected to some Astros, actually – I had the pleasure of meeting the folks from Apollo Media, I think it is. Yeah. So I had lunch with them. Oh, really? Yeah. We actually were talking about podcasting, ironically. A buddy of mine, big shout out to the Canon, a good friend of mine who's the chief commercial officer over there, Alex Gross, is partnered with them. And then we all got invited to lunch. So I got to meet the whole Apollo crew. Yeah. I don't think they listened to the flow line, but they're so fun and just a good group of guys. They're the ones who made the, the t-shirts. And so they were talking about like, like the whole story of how they did it and Dez, I think is the guy's yeah, name. Apollo Dez on Twitter. Yeah. So he was telling me about like, I was like, dude, how did you do that? And yeah, he just made it. And then someone from the Astros like called him and he didn't believe it was him on the phone. And then he made them shirts. And then like the rest of the crew were like, yeah, I want a shirt for this. I want a shirt. And then he started like making these shirts and that's how it all kicked off. But like, he's got a really cool story. Man. He's such a good guy. So if you ever want to grab lunch with them, like, yeah, let's do it. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I, te- I can text them. On this. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I love their shirts. So, I mean, I've got a lot. I haven't got many Astro shirts, but like one of my favorite ones is the Luis Garcia. You know, he has that really long windup or whatever. Yeah. They haven't broken up into like six dance steps. <laughs> like, yeah. cradle, rock the baby and all this. And like... <laughs> Yeah. You know, Ryan Stanek, who's like a good old, you know, very much characterized as a redneck, but also like throws some heat. They've got sort of this like, you know, a skeleton of him, just peace, love and heaters, kind of like in a tie dye print. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was actually confronted. So we were all in our Astros gear going to Good Dog. And I was and like, so I was like, hey, man, 
why are you wearing Astros gear? Your kid and your wife are. And I was like, I'm wearing a shirt that says don't run on machete. There's no better <laughs> shirt, but that was an Apollo shirt too. Okay, nice. You heard it here on the podcast. I'm going to line up lunch with the Apollo crew, or at least Des, and I'm sure you guys would have lots to talk about. So yeah. anyway, back to drilling fluids. Matt, this is a good one. And again, you know, both you and I were in the field. And so this one hits close to home, but <laughs> we're titling this one, My Relief Sucks. And yes. how many times have you been on a rig and you're working with a relief who's good, you know, and you just got this great chemistry, you know, he leaves you with a silver platter. When you get to the rig, you can almost relax for a day because the mud's in shape. All your paperwork's good. Delivery tickets are signed. I mean, inventories, you know, everything's good. But then you, all of a sudden you get a call. Oh yeah, we're moving so-and-so to another rig, but oh, don't worry. We've got a guy jam up coming to your rig. Great relief. Okay. Well, turns out that guy sucks. And now how often does that happen? Quite a bit. And, you know, again, it's sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't, but when it does, it really makes your job so much harder. And like, I'll never forget working on an inlet barge. You've got all your product on this tiny little barge. So unless you're like super good at playing Tetris with a forklift, it can be miserable. And my relief was again, awesome. Well, he had to go on vacation where we had someone else come out and it took me like four days coming back from vacation to like organize this pallet barge which was miserable. And so like, just there's countless stories. I'm sure everyone out there is like, Oh, I remember this one time, but that's what we're here to talk about today. And not only just to complain about crew change folks, but to also perhaps give some good pointers. If you think you're good relief, maybe there's some things you could even do better. What yeah. do you think, Matt? Maybe you're that guy and you don't know it. Yeah. Or now. And <laughs> right. so like, this is a chance for you to reflect. Cause I mean, it's sort of like, I bet if we had an engineering meeting with all of our mud engineers in a room, or like draw a picture of your relief. Like 80% of them would draw some like disfigured ogre looking thing. Yeah. You know, like picking its nose. And it just, you know what I mean? Like uh-huh. complaining about your relief is a way of life for the oil field. But yeah. there are things we you can do to not be that guy or gal. Well, Matt, just to supplement that thought, it was funny because, you know, in one of my classes, it was a marketing class and we did, we drew personas. And so you had to draw, it was like, okay, you know, draw someone who is, you know, someone from oil and gas transferring to renewables. And so you had to get as detailed as possible, what they looked like, what their name was, you know, their whole history to create this persona of who that person is. And so we did this exercise and it was so funny to see some of the people's sort of artistic, you know, creations of, you know, Bubba Joe was the oil field guy. And then there were some other names for other people within energy, but doing one, you know, asking a mud engineer, okay, draw your relief and, you know, tell us a little bit about the background. And yeah, it would be like the funniest exercise in the world. But anyway, let's get down to the nitty gritty, Matt, when it comes to crew change, and I'm sure everyone out there, but let's again, define crew change. Like what does that mean for us in the drilling fluid space? So it depends on your rotation. So most of the time, if it's 24 hour service and that sort of thing, you'll work two weeks on and you get two weeks off. Right. I mean, that's on land, offshore. It was that way. I think they try to do three and three. They've done some other things in Canada. I think they actually do three and one because it's so busy when everything's frozen and then it's so quiet when everything melts. Yeah, that's typical. And then like overseas, a lot of places, 28, 28. So month on month off, or I had seen 35 and 35 in some remote areas, but like if we were painting a very broad brush, I'd say it's two weeks on, two weeks off on land, 
or in the US and that sort of thing, internationally or in remote locations, it would be month on month off. And so what that means is you're working on a drilling operation continuously for that period of time. And then you'll hand over and someone else will take over. And so there's an overlap and normally it doesn't last long, but it's basically, hey, here's what's going on. You do a little bit of a handover. You get to go on your days off and this other person comes on and kind of has to get reoriented after some time off, look around, figure out what's going on. And then they'll find all the things that they like to have on the rig that maybe weren't done the way they would want to see them done. And they got to go, you know, dial that in. Mm-hmm. And it can be big things, and it can be small things, but it's usually not exactly what we had in mind. Right. And one thing that's interesting about crew changes, everyone on the rig crew changes at different on different, whether the rotation is different or anything. So it's not like you work with the same exact people for two weeks and then everyone goes home. It's, you know, mud engineers might work, you know, their schedule, MWD works their schedule, directional drillers work their schedule, company rep. I mean, everyone's kind of coming and going. And you'll typically get a week with the same people, but then, you know, depending on the days and that, so you could constantly be kind of cycling through different folks who you're working with and all of them have, you know, kind of different ways of how they do things. But when it comes back to, you know, on the drilling, you know, mud engineers, you know, there's so many things that we take over everything, obviously, that you can get yourself in a real bind if you're the type of money engineer who kind of lets things ride to make it look like everything's great. And then someone gets on to location and starts kind of diving through, you know, paperwork, doing mud checks. And then you always get in that situation where it's, Oh, okay. Well, if I do a mud check and the mud actually is exactly what it is, and it's a lot different than what the mud engineer was showing yesterday, how do you not blame your relief? You know, but because ultimately you don't want to blame your relief because then it just kind of is like, Hey, you know, especially from the office, it's, you never want to do that. But Matt, for you, what would you say on that topic of saying, getting handed a poop platter, how do you not blame your relief in that case? Well, I think number one is, look, the problem is everybody blames the relief. So the automatic response from the office, when a manager calls me and says, my relief did this is normally to come back and like, look, you guys sort this out. Like, I'm trying to deal with the customer. I'm trying to do this, that, or the other, but like you guys need to be professionals and talk to each other and figure out what's going on here. But I don't want to hear about it. That being said, I still want to support, you know, if somebody's not being professional, like they also need to be held accountable. So like there is that element. Just understand it always starts with people complaining about the relief for the wrong reasons that hurts when people say, I've got an issue with my relief for the right reasons. And so I think if you're going to go to that level of confrontation, you know, you need to have all your ducks in a row as far as doing everything you can to handle it on your own. And then when it gets to be that point, I think, you know, we need to have the conversation. We want to make sure everybody's doing things in the most effective way and taking care of the customer. And if there's a threat to that, it needs to stop there. But, you know, okay. So like the mud check thing, it goes back to even, you know, we've talked about titration endpoints, right? Like, there will just be certain things where it's like, these properties are really different. And it's like, okay, I mean, if the rheology is way off, that's kind of tough because you're using the same equipment and looking at a number, you know, but if you think about a retort and, you know, okay, one guy's calling his endpoint too late, 
too early, you know, and, and why we say, you know, most important thing about running retort is being consistent. You know, there's a break in that. And, you know, that's a good conversation. Hey, why don't we titrate this next to each other and just make sure like you're calling your chlorides at the right place. And if we get in an argument, let's send a picture and make sure everybody's on the same page. Those kinds of things where it could be a little more subjective can be very behavioral. I think even, you know, the condition of the equipment, right? You could have a bad week and break some glassware. And did you talk to the field suit about getting it back or did you forget? Did you remember if you had two retort cells, did you only clean the one or other things that drive people crazy, right? Yeah. I think there's a lot of good faith efforts there, but a lot of it has to do with the mud system. And I think that's probably where most of the friction lies when you agree is, hey, I came on and I had to add a bunch of product because, you know, things weren't where I wanted them to be. Yeah, it does. And here's sort of something. So I would agree. I think it's, I'd say a pretty good mix between paperwork and not being in shape. I mean, me personally, I've had more issues, not necessarily with the mud, not being kind of what it's at, but it's more so like, wow, you left me with all these, like the company representative, I think the thing that they hate the most is having to sign tickets, even though, I mean, that's our business. So it's all of a sudden it's like, oh yeah, is everything up to date? Yeah. Oh, there's like 18 delivery tickets that I have to go like. There's nothing like coming on, you know, in the first thing you have to do as someone coming on from being on vacation is going to the company representative shack and saying, Hey, how's it going? Oh, good. How was your vacation? Oh, not bad. Here's 18 delivery tickets. And it's like, really? <laughs> like you just came to me and for this, like you just got here. How did you, you yeah. know, and then it's, just gets this in this weird thing, but I wasn't there and blah, blah, blah. Why didn't you relief do it? Well, I can't speak for, I yeah. can't speak to them, you know? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And even the mud system stuff, I think. Yeah, paperwork, that sort of thing where you hold on to stuff, especially when it faces the customer. And then I think like even the mud condition stuff, like I think that one thing is people can be very particular with things they're looking for, but like at the end of the day, it's the mud program, right? Right, right. If the properties match, like at least today, yes, and I don't know about other companies, like we back check, like we check mud samples quite a lot mm-hmm. where you guys might not have the same numbers, but it's fairly hard to get away with because we're also measuring it in our lab and, you know, just kind of, you know, everybody's sort of keeping an eye on everybody else, not in a spying way, but I think in a good way of like, Hey, your equipment needs to be brought in or, or whatever. But yeah, it's, it's harder to have those. Like, I remember one time the mud got out of shape. I came on, you know, I get to the rig and the, engineer that was departing threw in like 10 sacks of a very powerful thinner and it was like hey man got all that going for you and i spent like as soon as i got there i had to go straight up on the pits and spent like the whole day and into the night just trying to undo what had just been done and the properties were never out of spec i mean in as much as we had it in shape it was just like this fight you know of keeping them there when you've got a really powerful product that probably shouldn't have gone in there. And then you complain about your relief, right? (laughs) Yeah. The one thing too, though, with the mud system is unfortunately there's certain company representatives who like to do things a certain way. And so a lot of that is, I say, you know, it could be attributed to, you know, Mm -hmm. Hey, the coming rep like wants to make sure we have these properties. Right. You know, yes, the mud program says this, but oh, we, we've had these conversations. And so you say, well, you come in and you're like, and they're like, oh yeah, you know, why did the mud check and it's way off? It's so different. Well, 
There could be a number of different reasons for that. And not to say that company representatives like completely just throw the mud program out the window, but it could just be the way that the mud is being ran kind of fits that certain company representative's certain way of doing things. So it's important to consider that. But what it comes back to is you're making sure you're communicating with relief. Cause I can't say how many times that, and we're back. Sorry. Uh, my son ripped into the room here. So, but again, coming back to communication and a lot of times, you know, when you get comfortable with a certain relief, depending on what you're doing, you could say, okay, I leave a few hours early. Just leave me some good notes. You're not supposed to, but I've seen it happen. And so the reality is you really should get to the rig, have a good conversation and maybe even, yeah, walk around together, look at inventory, even do a mud check together. That to me is because you talk about endpoints, right? And so a lot of times when I was relieving someone for the first time, or it was the lady or the gentleman was fairly new to either that rig, whatever the case is, if it's something that you hadn't worked with, say, hey, let's do a mud check together because I want to make sure that, you know, we align and my endpoints are the same, blah, 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 blah. Because every, you know, mud engineers, depending on where you went to mud school and what habits you've developed over the years could be so different and you may end up with similar results, but you want to be consistent. So, or at least being aware of, ah, I see, okay, you're getting these values, but I know why. And then you can kind of tailor your approach a little bit to make sure that things jive. But again, sort of kind of wrapping up that topic is if you get onto location and things are drastically different, have a good conversation with the manager who's on their way home and just say, hey, can you explain a little bit? Like, here's what I'm getting. Here's what you had. I mean, did anything change right before you left? And have that conversation because really that's where a lot of things can fall instead of just getting on the rigs, doing it, getting upset. And then either complaining to the company rep or complaining to the office. Because again, it's like handle it like grown men or women and figure it out amongst yourselves. And if it has to go beyond that, then, you know, again, have a good conversation with the engineering manager, the field supervisor and say, hey, here's what I'm noticing. How do you want to handle this? And, you know, go about it that way. Because, yeah, blaming your relief for things is nobody wants to hear it. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. And I mean, it's sort of a running joke, but like, generally speaking, like every once in a while, there's something where it's like, we need to talk about this. But generally speaking, I think a lot of this stuff can be resolved by a simple conversation. It's just very stressful to come on. Everything gets magnified, right? You come onto a rig and things aren't the way you left it. And even if it's kind of, you know, I have learned being married that you can't put dirty dishes by the sink. You're supposed to put them in the sink. (laughs) Well, I philosophically believe putting dirty dishes in the sink blocks access to the drain and it makes it more difficult to wash the dishes. Valid point. So the dishes go in the sink. (laughs) You know, it's one of those like, look, you do it your way. You do it like the end of the day, we're going to have to make sense of this. And I don't know, it's as nuanced and complicated as maybe we're making it sound. There's the fact that if your paperwork's in order and that things jive, as you say, we're on the track to have a good hitch, you know? Yeah. And let's be honest. Sometimes there's folks that just simply don't work well together, but that's rare because you're really not working with that person. You're really only exactly. handing something off. It's different. Do you if- hate someone so much that you can't talk to them for an hour. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like we have much worse situations where people are in the office next to each other and they're like, yeah. no, I really don't want to see this person every day. <laughs> exactly. So you have it better than most if you don't get along with your relief. Right. But, you know, I, I think, like, man, that closing out the tickets, I think that's like massive and been there, done that, seen that. And then 
you know, going back to some of the paperwork of like, okay, this is what we've done. This is where we're at in the program. These are some of the behaviors of people. But then like, hey, a truckload of Bayright is on the way. We have room. I'm getting it. Or you may want to keep an eye out because here's where we're at. Like, here's all our current volume and inventory. and Here's where it's all at. Normally, that's on a nice whiteboard where everyone can see it and you update it every time something happens. But the idea of like even, hey, we've gone through this product a little faster than normal, just so you know. Mm-hmm. Especially when you get to the behavior of the you know drilling consultant and they really like graphite or something. They're like, look, they're new here. They want to use graphite. We don't normally do that. But like we've had some on location as a lost but circulation material and now we're pumping it regular. You're going to run out if you don't order more, but you know, I don't have a load ready to go. Those things can be very, very helpful in tying back into that like behavior, personality kind of thing. So yeah. And then, you know, I guess other stuff, like, have you ever done anything like not just, okay, leave the mud in good shape, have your paperwork in order. What are some things where you're like, I'm going to do this for my relief so that like as a gesture of goodwill, like don't have to do it, but it shows that, you know, I'm here to help. Yeah, no, I mean, that's a good question. And there may have been, so I always made sure the mud equipment in the lab was spotless and the garbage, the garbage was taken out, like just simple house cleaning stuff. Clean up the trailer. Yeah. Clean things up. I mean, if there's laundry, have, I mean, these you know, you're going back to work. The last thing you want to do is have to do laundry, clean dishes, clean out, you know, dirty salami from the fridge. Like, I mean, again, in this, some people that might not bother them, but I always try and left the trailer, how I would want the trailer when I arrived on location. And if it wasn't, I'm okay with that. Like not everyone was raised to like have a spotless room. You know what I mean? But for me, it just made me feel good that like, that's one thing that they couldn't complain about is, Oh, Goche, you know, whenever I get to hit the rig, the trailer house is a mess. I would never do that. And so, you know, depend unless I've been up for three days and it's just a complete, you know, gong show yeah. out there, then, Hey, sorry, but I can't, I didn't have time. But for the most part, like you could have everything dialed in, you know, printer, make sure the printer had toner in it, make sure the printer had paper, like yeah. literally hand it to them to where when they get there, they don't have to do anything except for go outside, talk to the company rep and not have to worry about all this other little petty stuff just stuff like that, you know, be respectful of the, their living space that you're giving them essentially. Like that to me is pretty big. Yeah. I'm not much of a cook. And one of the ones I remember besides like the house cleaning stuff was my back-to-back was Cajun and yeah. he had like a gumbo going. And oh, he's like, nice. I'm not going to be here to eat it, but like you just feed everybody this. It'll be ready at six. Wow. And it was like, I get credit for feeding these guys. And it's like way better than you know, like what I would feed them. Like, yeah, if I had a chance to feed anybody, I would probably get it prepared something or other for fear of poisoning everyone. But it was just <laughs> like this amazing home cooks, wow. you know, food. And it was like, man, I'm not going to take credit for this, but golly, like you were leaving me with the best handover possible. But yeah. That's top notch right there. And I mean, look, the more you can do in advance, knowing your relief is coming, if it's look, they're going to be on the road you might have a chance for a phone conversation in advance where you could get some of this stuff out of the way. The worst is always like offshore. It was like 30 seconds on the way to the helicopter while they're coming off the helicopter. So you got to like, you got to write more, you got to over communicate in many ways. Yes. And then, I mean, on land, there's still like, 
you drive up to location and Leninger's up on the pits and like everybody's running around and like, what's going on? Like, well, we're on total losses right now. <laughs> I'm going to stick around for a little while and try and help you get this under control. But this is effectively our handover. Yeah, no, that can happen. And in those situations too, kind of going back to it is have enough product on location where the first thing he, that manager doesn't have to do is make an order that same day. Like that's another one. Now, granted, of course, you're, you know, you say you're TD'd and, you know, circulating to go run pipe. Well, you're not going to make a huge order so that you have a bunch of product, but, you know, using best judgment, make sure there's plenty of inventory to get the mud engineer by, you know, a day or two. So that he's, or she's getting their feet wet. It's not something that to scramble and do. So really, I mean, it comes down to like document as much as you can and give a note on like, Hey, you know, rig crew's cool, but watch out for this. Oh, this one shaker, you know, it seems like there may be some, you know, holes in the screens or, Oh, the company rep, this one prefers to pump sweeps. You know, again, we had a conversation about sweeps, so it's kind of ironic I said that, but you know, everyone has a kind of a little bit of a different way of skinning the cat, if you will. And so just kind of given that update now, Grant, if you've been on the same rig forever, you already know this stuff, but right now with how busy things are and people like, especially rig hands coming and going, there's sort of a lot of revolving door type stuff happening. So the more you can document and at least forewarn your relief on what's happening or what could happen if, you know, given certain situations, it just makes such a difference. And I mean, you know, volumes too, you know, you know, make sure you've, Hey, how much diesel we have if we're running oil based mud? Or, I mean, a lot of this stuff is very obvious, but I think it sounds obvious until your relief doesn't give it to you. (laughs) Right. Yeah. And that's the thing, too. Be mindful of your relief and say, hey, are there things that when I leave you would prefer? Just be open. Say, hey, when you come from days off, like, is there anything else that you'd like for me to have ready for you or prepared? And unless, you know, they're very selfish and they want like, you know, steaks in the freezer and, you know, like (laughs) everything else, but just like basic stuff. Because you may not think of something and there may be mud engineers who, I don't know, whatever, just have some sort of weird quirks and it's something easy you can do to support your relief. Lack of awareness. Yeah. Yeah. So just little things like that, you know, and so there's, yeah, making relief is an interesting topic. And I would imagine everyone out there has thousands of stories, which I would like love to hear about, like, whether it's awesome relief or not so awesome relief. I know there's a gentleman in our office that talked about you know, like taking things from the rig that weren't his. And it was actually a different mud company. And the gentleman went into the trailer house and was looking for things. And the other gentleman basically was in his truck waiting for the mud engineer to show up and kind of gave him the, Hey, how's it going? And, you know, that person proceeded to go into the trailer house and there was a bunch of stuff missing. And so that mud engineer just took stuff home and was like, wait, that's not how this should work. So yeah, I just like, there's so many random experiences that would just make everyone laugh. I'm sure. Oil field workers are a colorful and broad bunch and there can be any number of things that happen where you're like, okay, I took for granted that this is normal to me and not normal to you. And so, yeah, if you can share those quirks and even asking shows that you're trying, right? Exactly. Yeah. So, and I mean, Understanding what, you know, your back-to-back prefers along with, you know, the other little nugget I would add is I've definitely been on rigs where it's like, hey, the, like, drilling consultant is, like, super into LSU. Like, just beware that you might not be ready to talk about it, 
but that's what you're going to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> or, you know, just yeah, different things like that, where it's like, you know what, that's just helpful to know, because if that's what they want to talk about or whatever, you know, it, it helps build a relationship and then that gets the job done more effectively. So, yep. I remember there was one, it was like, Hey man, I don't know how to tell you this, but like, this guy's going to talk to you about nothing but NASCAR. And it was like, well, I don't know anything about NASCAR. And they're like, doesn't matter. Like, <laughs> like, in fact, like mostly, even if like, they're going to follow you around and keep talking about it. So like, just be attentive, but like, that's the way this person is. They're very passionate about it. And so like, you know, you want a relationship with your Derek and you're going to listen to, you're going to hear about NASCAR. Right. So like, yeah. okay, well, I Googled a few, you know, NASCAR drivers and whatever that cup, you know, the cup standings and all that. And, yeah. Just to at least have a little bit of knowledge where you can carry on a conversation. Yeah. I mean, I, I learned a lot about NASCAR. You know, I didn't know anything, but like yeah. it was involuntary in many ways. It was right. just, I'm really glad I got the warning in advance. <laughs> the things you learn from rig hands and everyone else on the rig that you would have never explored otherwise. So, Absolutely. Yeah. So I guess to kind of tie it all, all up, man, I just, you know, sort of list it. It's like, you know, document as much as you can. Make sure your inventory is up to par. Make sure, you know, your equipment's clean. Make sure you're well filed or your, you know, everything's reconciled. Have all your tickets up to date, you know. Make sure the warehouse, you know, if say there's weather coming or anything like that, anything that could be coming down the pipeline in the next day or two, or, Hey, the, you know, we, we were told that there's, you know, a fracture that we may be experiencing in the next 600 feet. I got a bunch of LCM ready for you. Here's a plan, but the whole, you know, kind of driving by each other on the lease road, try to avoid that. I mean, you may save 30 minutes, an hour, and obviously, you know, every minute counts when you're on your days off, but it really can keep you out of a bind. And so just be mindful of that. Matt, any other sort of like high level, you know, make sure you do type of thing? I think it just goes back to being willing to make the effort. I think that point that you mentioned sort of, I think captures all of it in as much as a lot of it seems really intuitive and you need to be attentive. It's usually not on purpose that you miss that or the other, but you're also probably headed to days off and thinking about getting off location. Oh, my relief will do that. Oh, my relief will do that. And you have to like, turn that around and be like, okay, if I just came on location, would I want to be dealing with this, this, and this? And it's easy to talk yourself into the notion, oh, I'd be fine with it when you know you wouldn't be. So I think it's a common story of hearing everybody talk about how their relief didn't do something and what have you. But guess what? There's a good chance they're complaining about you just as much as you're complaining about them. (laughs) And the best thing to do is not take it to somebody else, take it to each other and work it out. That's a great way to close out. And if anyone has any good stories out there, please let us know. Reach oh, out on yeah. LinkedIn. I, I would love to hear those. Yes, yes. Reach out on LinkedIn or send us an email at the Flowline Podcast at aesfluids.com. Or if you have any other questions or topics you'd like us to cover, again, that's where a lot of the best episodes come from are from our listeners inquiring about certain things. And with that said, everyone, be safe out there. Hopefully there's some warm weather coming around the corner. And for Matt's sake, hopefully the lockout ends here soon so we can get back to business. Absolutely. All right. Thanks, everybody. Take care. Thanks for listening. Please tune in next week for another exciting episode of The Flow Line. And remember, may your returns always be full and your trips always smooth. Views expressed in this program belong to participants and not their employees. The program is for informational purposes only and cannot take the place of seeking professional advice. Copyright AES Drilling Fluids.